0: good morning. I too want to say hello to everyone who's watching online and on television as well. A couple weeks ago we commissioned our uh, a mission team to go to Malawi and just so you know they made it there and back. Eight flights later they're back home safe and even though they made it to Malawi and all the work that they set out to do was accomplished, their luggage never left Atlanta. But they toughed it out, they did great, they did great So thankful for Blair Brindle and all the amazing work she does over there Whenever you're praying, just remember Blair and the amazing ministry at Tendary Christian Academy uh, Also I want to make you aware that next week uh, you need to come and bring a friend Because John Ed is going to be preaching John Ed is going to be preaching in both of our services So please come out and be a part of that We'll have a heckler session uh, section right down here Yeah, we'll do a session before to teach you how to do it, so (laughs) it'll be good. You know, I I thought this morning I need to say something very profound to you, and so I'd like to explain life as we get started. Once you hear this, you're going to understand all of life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. God was creating the world, and God created the dog and said, Sit all day by the door of the house and bark at everyone who comes in or walks past. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's a long time to be barking. How about 10 and I'll give you 10 back? So God agreed. God created the monkey and he said, entertain people, do tricks and make them laugh. For this, I'll give you the lifespan of 20 years. The monkey said, that's a long time for monkey tricks. So how about I do what the dog did and I'll just give you 10 back and I'll keep 10. God said, okay. Then God created the cow. He says, you must go into the field with the farmer all day and suffer under the hot sun and have calves and give milk. Support the farmer's family. For this, I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's a tough life for 60 years. How about you give me 20 and I'll give you 40 back? So God agreed. Then God created man. He said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. For this, I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. But man protested. He said, only 20 If it's possible, give me my 20, give me the 40, the cow gave back, give me the 10, the monkey gave back, give me the 10, the dog gave back. That'll make 80 years. Can I have 80 years, Lord? God said, you asked for it. (laughs) So that's why for the first 20 years of our life, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. The next 40 years of our life, we slave in the sun to support our family. The next 10 years of our life, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren, and for the last 10 years of our life, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone that goes by. (laughs) Yes. That's good. Thank you so much for clapping. That just made my week. I tell you what. If you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 6. We're going to... Start in verse 6, and as I said last week, we're talking about healing. I want to talk about the God who heals, part 2. The God who heals, part 2. Many times when it comes to the topic of healing, we ask the question, can God heal? Don't we? Can God heal? I mean, you think about that question, though. If there is a God, and if there is a God who created the universe, then the question, can God heal, is somewhat irrelevant, because if he can create everything out of nothing, then yes, of course, God can heal. But my questions are a little different. My questions tend to be, how does God heal? And why does God heal? Those are the two questions I want to tackle today. How does God heal us? And we say, well, God heals us by his power. Well, of course he heals us by his power. But but what does it look like for us to ask God for healing? What does it look like for us to seek healing? I think our text answers that in a very direct way today. But then also a very important question I think we need to ask is why? Why does God heal us? This is a good question. Why does God heal your mind? Why does God heal your heart? Why does God heal your soul? Why does God heal your body? I mean, think about it. Does does God want to heal you just to keep you out of heaven? Does God want to heal you down here so you don't have to bother him up there? (laughs) Don't raise your hand. Does God want to prolong your life Just because you ask him to? Why does God heal us? What if I were to tell you there's a reason? There's a reason why God heals us. And what if I were to tell you that reason is not as complicated as we may think. But there is a reason why God would heal our mind of anxiety. There's a reason why God would heal us of depression. There's a reason why God would heal our heartache from that heart Break. There's a reason why there are billions of cells that on this very day will replace themselves in your bodies and act as healing agents. There's a reason why God would reach down and divinely touch our life and provide healing either over time or instantaneously. There's a reason for that. A reason. And again, what if I told you the reason is simpler than you may think? So many times we ask the question, can God heal? But I think when God does, and I've seen him heal many times in many ways, when he does, we need to ask the question, why did he do it? So these are the two questions I want us to look at in this text today. How does God heal us, and why does God heal us? Let's go to Luke 6, verse 6. The story opens up, and it's on another Sabbath. And Jesus enters the synagogue. This was his custom. Other text tells us that every Saturday, every Sabbath, he would go to the synagogue. And on this day, it says that he was teaching. And while Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he is there teaching, there's a man there whose right hand is withered. Notice that. His right hand is withered. If you'd like to take notes, i want to give you three points. Point number one here is that healing involves showing up in God's presence healing involves showing up in his presence now some people will say this man with a withered hand they like to ask the question what is he doing there some people would say well this is his custom you know every Saturday just you know like a good Jew on the Sabbath he would go to the synagogue and he would hear the Torah read and so some people say this was just a part of his routine this was a part of his weekly life some people say that the man was coerced into being there that the Pharisees and scribes planted him there to see whether or not they wanted to test Jesus to see whether or not he would heal him on this day. Maybe so. Some people say that this man was there out of curiosity, that maybe he had heard about Jesus. He had heard about all that Jesus was doing. And different people take different angles on this and trying to figure out what was the man actually doing there because in the first century, if you had a withered hand, many people would consider you unclean and many times they would not even let you in the doors. So was it his custom to do this? Was he coerced into being there? Was he placed there by the Pharisees and scribes or... Was he just curious about who Jesus was? What was the real motivation in his heart behind him being present on this day? We have to ask ourselves the same question, I think. The question is, why are you here today? I know you came to hear my jokes. I know. But other than that, why are you here? Is this just your custom? Is it a part of your weekly rhythm? Is it a part of your weekly life? Are you here because you were coerced into being here? You know, We actually don't teach a class called Christian Nagging 101. You know, we don't. But maybe someone has been inviting you and finally you showed up. Or maybe you're here today because you're curious. You're curious about who this God is. You're curious about who this Jesus is. Or you're curious about what church he is. Regardless of the reason why this man showed up on this day and regardless of the reason why you showed up today, when it comes to healing, healing always involves this first step is we have to show up in his presence. We have to show up and be present in his presence presence. In Deuteronomy 31, God is talking to the people there about this Sabbath year and this outpouring of generosity from God's people. And he's talking about the rhythms of their life and how weekly you have a Sabbath and you would come together and you would read scripture and you would pray and you would worship. And then the feast days and all these things that would go on that would create this rhythm. And he's talking about that in different ways. And I love that Passage there in Deuteronomy 31. I love this phrase that keeps being repeated. Whenever God is talking to the people about coming, and He talks in terms of appearing before the Lord, appearing before the Lord. We see this over and over throughout Scripture that when people would come and they wanted to come into God's presence, they would come and appear before the Lord. See, we get real spiritual sometimes. And we say, "Well, isn't God everywhere? Isn't God omnipresent?" Yeah, you know, of course He is. But there's a difference in that, in coming before him with intentionality and appearing in his presence. You see, healing happens. Healing happens when we appear. When we come out of hiding. When we make ourselves seen and known before him. Whenever we stop trying to hide ourselves and fix our own problems, but we simply come and surrender and appear. And again, regardless of the motivation of this man on this day, and regardless of anybody else's motivation for him, he was there. He found himself in the synagogue in the presence of God himself. So healing always involves showing up in his presence. But the text goes on. Look at verse 7. It says, "...and the scribes and Pharisees watched him, him Jesus, to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath." so that they might find a reason to accuse him. You know, religious people love doing this, don't they? They love just sitting back and watching so that they could accuse and make some argument against Jesus. So they're doing this, but notice verse 8. But he, Jesus, knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. Notice how clear that is. Come and stand here. Verse 8 says, And he rose... And he stood there. Jesus said, come and stand here. He rose and he stood there. You see, while healing always involves showing up in God's presence, healing involves standing up in God's presence. Standing up in God's presence. Jesus said, come, stand here. And the man made a choice in that moment to obey Jesus' command. And he rose and he stood there, the text says. I love this word stand. The word stand here means to make a stand. It means to take a stand. It literally means to establish yourself before someone or before something. And on this day, this man chose to establish himself beside Jesus before all of those who were present in that moment, which raises a good question for for us, and that is, who will we stand with? What is it that we will stand up for? Who will we stand with? You see, when, not if, when, not if, when you need healing, when that moment comes in some way, who you choose to stand with matters. Who you choose to stand with matters. This man on this day chose to stand with Jesus in this moment. He could have chose to stand with the medical report. The hand is withered. It will never work again. He did not choose that. He chose to stand with Jesus in the first century culture he would have been outcast for many different reasons he would have been considered unclean for many different reasons so he could have stood with his critics for all those the the naysayers and the people who were negative all around him the people who put him down maybe for many years but he didn't choose to stand with them in this moment he chose to stand with Jesus and same thing for us in those moments when we need healing who will we stand with? Are we going to stand with our medical report? Are we going to stand with the diagnosis we've received? Are you with me here? No, you're not. I guess not. I'll preach to y'all. Are y'all with me here? All right. Thank you. Thank you. In these moments, in these moments, we have to choose who we're going to stand with. Are we going to stand with the depression that keeps us in bed half the day? are we going to stand with all the anxious thoughts that paralyze us in life? We have to make a choice in those moments. When we need healing, we have to choose, am I going to stand with what's going on? Am I going to stand with the problem or am I going to stand with the Prince of Peace? Am I going to stand with the problem or am I going to stand with the one who can touch my life and bring healing into my life? But before Jesus said stand, he said come. Notice that. Before he said stand, he said come. I love the word come here. It means to rise up, but it also means to rise to life. This is resurrection language. Resurrection language. To rise to life, he says. You see, when you need healing from your fallen thoughts, from your fallen emotions, from your fallen and broken bodies, Jesus says come to him. Jesus says come to me because I want to stand with you in that. I'll stand with you, Jesus says, when no one else will stand with you. On this day, when Jesus looked at this man, he says, come and stand here. Everybody got silent. Can you imagine the courage it took in this moment for this man to stand up while everybody else is sitting down, locking eyes with Jesus, put one foot in front of the other and make his way over to there where Jesus told him to stand. Can you imagine the courage that was needed in that moment? But it was more than just earthly courage. It was faith on his part to stand. You see, Jesus does not just stand with us in our brokenness. Many times that's how we reduce God's empathy for us. We reduce it down to, yes, I'm broken. Yes, this is just how I am and who I am, and Jesus is so kind. He just stands with me in the midst of the brokenness. Jesus does not just stand with us in our brokenness. He stands with us for our wholeness. He stands with us for our healing. Many years ago, there was a young man... He was in his twenties when I met him and in his late teens he began some very bad habits in his life and those bad habits caused a lot of internal pain that he carried around and that he leashed out on other people. In fact, while he was a late teenager going into college, his parents and other people thought he was in the propane tank business and then they realized those are not propane tanks he carries around his back of his truck, those are kegs of beer, <laughs> true story. And because of the life he lived, he caused a lot of pain in his life. He lived with a lot of internal demons, if you will. And a lot of healing had to take place. And God began to bring that healing into his life. And I'll never forget having the conversation with him. He said, God is doing something amazing in my life. For some reason, I feel this call to be baptized. And I said, yeah, that's pretty normal. And he goes, well, the problem is I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death. What will people think? You know, people know me, that kind of thing. And I said to him, and I'll to him what I would say to you. If you will stand up with him, he will stand up for you. That's what happened on this day. This man chose to stand up in faith with Jesus who was calling out to him. And as a result, Jesus stood up for him and gave him the healing he needed. Healing always involves showing up, showing up in his presence, but healing also involves standing up in his presence. Number three, it goes on, verse nine, Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? What a question. You know, God is always in the business of doing good. And the word good in a first century context means the godly thing. God is always interested in saving life. He's always interested in saving life. He asked the Pharisees this question, verse 10, after looking around at them. He said, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And he did so, and his hand was restored. See, healing involves showing up in his presence, yes. Healing involves standing up in his presence, but healing also involves stretching out in faith. How many times has this man throughout his life stared at his hand and said, God, would you do something? God, would you heal me? God, would you touch me? I don't know. I don't know how many times he spent hours on end praying that God would heal him, but what I do know is that on this day, he was in the presence of Jesus. He stood up when Jesus told him to stand up, and he stretched out his hand, and he was restored. Again, I don't know how many times, but on this day it happened. And what Jesus says, we we say so many times, well, I don't have that kind of faith. Chris, I don't have that kind of faith. I, you know, that's, that's big faith. Jesus talks about mustard seed faith. And one of the lessons of mustard seed faith is that it's less about quantity, how much you have of it, and it's more about object, who your faith is in. It's less about quantity and more about object. On this day, this man stretches out his hand in faith, not because he thinks he can heal his hand, but because he believes in this moment, even if it's the faith of a mustard seed, that Jesus can heal his hand. And for us, the same is true. We have to show up in His presence. We have to stand up in His presence. And then we stretch out in faith and we say, I can't, but He can. I can't, but He can. I can't, but He can. And we keep saying that until God moves. Because He's all about saving life. That's how it happened. And that's how it happens for us. We show up in His presence. We stand up in His presence. We stretch out in faith. And we see him move. And you say, Chris, is that something figurative that kind of happens on the inside of my heart? No. You show up. You stand up. You stretch out. And you watch God move. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? If you go anywhere in the world, especially in the first century in the Middle East, and you see somebody, you walk in someone's kitchen, and they're taking their hands, and they are making bread, you know what they're doing, right? Right? You go anywhere in the world, especially in the first century, and you go out and someone has their hands on a plow and they're tilling the ground. You know what they're doing, right? You go up to someone in the first century and they have a hammer and chisel in their hand and they're chiseling stone. You know what they're doing. They have a pen in their hand. They're writing on papyrus. You know what they're doing. It's, it falls into the broad category of work. If you were to walk up to me, And as you were approaching me, I held my arms out like this and I smiled at you. You know what I'm doing, right? Yes? If you were to walk up to me and as you approach me, I stick my hand out to you. You know what I'm doing, right? If you were walking up to me and you were some distance away and I wave at you and I do this motion, you know what I'm doing. It falls under the broad category of welcome. And no matter where you go in the world whether it's a sanctuary or a street corner, if you walk up on someone and they have their arms like this and they're looking to heaven, you know what they're doing, right? Worshiping God in prayer and praise. I just told you why God heals us. You notice what this man can do now that the Pharisees are not doing. Now this man whose right hand has been withered, now he can work. And he can provide for his family. See, the Pharisees, they're very concerned about work, but they like to regulate work. They like to tell people who uh, um, want to work whether or not they're clean or unclean, which could determine whether or not they can work. The Pharisees like to stand back and get involved in the rules. Now, this man, because his hand has been restored, he can now work. The second thing this man can do is he can open his arms to other people properly now that he does not have a withered hand. He can open his hands to other people properly and he can welcome them into his presence. Not because he is somebody, but because he's showing hospitality and welcoming people with open arms. See, the Pharisees, they're more concerned about who they could push out than who they could welcome in. The third thing this man can do now is that whenever he walks into a synagogue or the temple, you know how Jews prayed in the first century. Whenever they would walk in, they would not pray in silence. Number one, they would pray out loud. And number two, whenever they would pray and praise God, they would always do this. And now he can walk into a synagogue or temple or his home or a street corner for that matter. He can raise his hands to heaven properly now because his hand is no longer withered. He can raise it to God in prayer and in praise. He can worship God, now. It's not that he couldn't do it before. But God touched his life in such a way that now when someone looks at him, it looks completely normal. And it's considered proper by all those around him. But here's the thing. If you can work, if you can welcome, and if you can worship, if you understand those three things, then you understand why God heals us. God heals us that we may worship him. He, we worship him so that we can welcome others into his family and then we work, we serve, we have a calling on our life so that we can open our arms and welcome others so that other people may worship him. You see, God loves to heal us, but why? Not just because you ask, although yes, he wants to bless his children. Yes, he wants to honor their requests. But God blesses us and God heals us. God brings healing into our life so that we can worship him. So that as people who worship him, we can welcome others so that they can worship him. And not just welcome others so that we can work and be a part of his kingdom. When the people of Israel found themselves... In slavery for many, many years. God sends word to Pharaoh through Moses. Exodus 9.13. And he says, Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. Why? So they can worship me. That's why God heals you. And that's why James says, You have not because you ask not because you ask for the wrong motives. Healing is not just about me. Healing is about living a life of worship and that life of worship welcomes others and that life of welcoming is about working in his kingdom and I work in his kingdom so I can welcome others so that others may worship him. It's one thing to know you need healing, it's another reason to know why you need it. And it's all for him and his glory. And we can spend our lives trying to make life about our glory all we want to, it's never gonna work. And it's so tempting To want to build our own Tower of Babel. But here's the thing. The one thing we learned about the Tower of Babel. Was when we try to steal God's glory. God has no problem leveling towers. So when we go to him. Let us show up in his presence. Let us stand up in his presence. Let us stretch out in faith in his presence. But know the reason why that we may worship him, that we may welcome others into the family, that we may work in his vineyard, that we may work so that we can welcome so that others can worship. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for healing in your life this morning. You say, Chris, that sounds a little bold to me. I'm not sure about that. All I'm asking you is, since you showed up, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And as we stand up, I want to ask you to bow your head. If you'd like for me to pray for you this morning, I just ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. The camera's on me, not you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the room, all over the balcony, Father, we thank you for this moment. We have showed up this morning as best as we know how in your presence, and we believe that you are here. And Lord, in this moment, we stand before you. You said, come, stand here. We have stood. We have positioned ourselves before you. For all those this morning who've raised their hands, stretched out in faith, God, I pray that you would give them the healing they desperately want in their life. Lord, I pray that you would touch families. I pray that you would mend relationships. I pray that you would heal broken hearts. I pray that you would heal fallen thoughts. I pray that you would heal anxiety and fear. I pray that you would heal depression. Father, I pray that you would heal our bodies. That you would bring the healing that we need. And Lord, we know that when we ask this, we do this so that we may be people of worship. We may be people who hold our arms up and lift our eyes to heaven to praise you. Lord, we know that when we do this, we hold our arms out to welcome others and tell them of your great mercies and your power. And Lord, may you use our hands to work to build your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would know why you're moving and why you're touching even in this moment. I pray this in Jesus' name powerful and healing name. And everybody said, Amen.